Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Y'all are witnessing the most difficult part of my week because I am terrified of public speaking, okay? (laughs) I just got to push through it. This ain't public speaking. This is proclaiming God's word. I've got to fight that battle out in my mind right now. So y'all just deal with my nervous tensions here, okay? But when I get excited, and I might get a little loud, sound team, you're warned, uh, because if the Bible does not excite you, you are not reading it, okay? So I call this message today, The Tables Are Turned. And I'll be reading from Esther chapter 7, so you can go ahead and get your digi Bibles and your page flipping. I like page flipping. It used to make a big sound across the whole place when you heard the pages going. So I miss that. Anyway, to set the stage on what's going on while you turn there, um, a wicked guy named Haman, he hated the Jews so much that he went to King Ahasuerus of the Persian Empire to get permission to draft up a royal decree that would allow the Jews' enemies to kill all the Jews in the Persian Empire, especially after Mordecai, the Jews, refused to bow to Haman. You may remember Mordecai would not bow to him, which just inflamed Haman to no end. So now, how did Haman get the king to agree to this kind of a decree? Well, he lied. He lied about it. And while you flip to Esther 7, I want to show you how he did it in Esther 3. Uh, just go to Esther 7. I'll get to Esther 3. Let me pray first. Father God, heal our nation. Lord, may there, there may be division out there, but in here... Let there be unity in the body of Christ. Lord, protect the assembly of your church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Boy, I just had to throw that in there. Okay, Esther, while you're going to Esther 7, I want to show you how he got the king to do this in Esther 3 and 8. Esther 3, verse 8, it says that Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from other people's, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it, if it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed." That's about as bad as it gets right there. The Jews were not lawbreakers, but Haman lied. However, God had planted a Jewish woman named Esther into an international beauty pageant. (laughs) 
she was in an international beauty pageant where the winner gets to marry the king and become queen of Persia. Now, if you have not read Esther yet, take a wild guess who won the pageant. (laughs) Esther did. Work it, girl. So now Queen Esther had gotten a copy of this decree while the king had no clue yet that she was a Jew. So Esther asked the king, because she knew about this decree against her people, the Jews, so she asked the king if she could prepare a banquet to get him and Haman together in the same place so that she could expose Haman's lie. She's going to get him. And that brings us to Esther chapter 7. Now, I need to book it because I'm trying to paste this down so y'all listen. Don't count ceiling tiles or anything. I'll have somebody count it for you. They'll give you the number at the back door later. Don't don't do that. Follow me, okay? We're going to book it. Esther 7 and 1. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, what is your, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request up to half the kingdom? It shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, And if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. Now, the king just realized he had been lied to. And... Also, now that he knows Esther is a Jew, because she just revealed this, my people, she said, now he knows, he realized that Haman's decree could take her out too, that it would get her as well. That's why Esther said the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. It was a nice saying of, you're not getting a queen like me again. But it was true. It was true. She beat every, everybody else in the pageant. Esther 7 and 5. So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen. Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went to into the palace garden. But Haman stood before, the, before Queen Esther pleading for his life. For he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. When the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, will he also assault the queen while I am in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. That means he's condemned. He's in trouble. (laughs) Persian royal protocol was extremely strict, and Haman just really broke it. You would be killed even for approaching the king without an invitation. In fact, those of you that have read the book, when Esther went to ask the king for her banquet, she was warned, don't go in there, you weren't invited. And she said, if I perish, I perish. That's what Esther said, brave woman. So when you consider the severity of royal protocol. And the king catches not only Haman lying to him, but lying on top of his wife. That boy is toast. That just ends it. King Ahasuerus is seeing red right now. 
Esther does not have to say another word to make her case, does she? God's working now. (laughs) Esther 7 and 9. Now Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him on it. That's serious. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. I want y'all to remember that. The king's wrath subsided, but don't feel sorry for Haman. Don't. He wanted to murder all the Jews, entire families by the thousands, and he felt no compassion for them. Judgment was executed on the wicked. Now, I'm going to jump ahead to Esther chapter 8, verse 7. So jump ahead to 8, verse 7, but I'm going to give you the fill-in real quick just so we can move along. Esther asked the king to revoke Haman's decree. Take it back. So here we are in Esther 8, verse 7. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Highlight, underline, where it says whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Put some attention there. Draw explosions around it. I don't care. Make it where you remember that, okay? Because I'm going to come back to that here in a little bit. So once it's sealed, it's done. Once it's out there, it's, it's out there. There's a big problem, though. Haman's decree to kill all the Jews is still out there, and there's no way to bring it back. Annihilation day is coming. King Ahasuerus knows this. And that's why he told Esther and Mordecai that they need to get busy drafting a new decree. Get busy on a new decree, one that can counter Haman's destructive decree. This new decree has to be better than the decree that Haman sent out. This new decree has to provide a way for God's people to be saved. And so Esther and Mordecai, they get straight to work on it, and they wrote a new decree, Esther 8 and 10. And he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horseback, riding on royal horses bred from swift steeds. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions. On one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, a copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province and published for all people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who rode on royal horses went out hastened and pressed on by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Shushan the citadel. Okay, so what you have going on here, Haman issued a decree of destruction, 
But Mordecai issued a decree of salvation. Destruction, salvation. This would cause the Israelites' enemies to have a moment of pause. You ever have something threatening give you a moment of pause? I better not do that. Weigh out the consequences. They would have to take time to consider the terms of the second decree. Now, consider the fact that news of Haman's hanging was also getting around. <laughs> that right there was enough to, of a threat to make the Jews' enemies think twice about attacking them because the author of the decree that, that their enemies were waiting for, he is dead. And the king authorized that. Esther 8 and 15. So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> okay, thank y'all, we're done. No, I'm just, there's more. Blue and white apparel. This means Mordecai is now wearing royal garments. Isn't that good? Look at what's happening here. He now had the king's favor. So let's be clear on what just happened here. Haman's decree was sent out with the purpose to destroy, but Mordecai's decree was better. It was better because it had the purpose to save, okay? And this is where I'm going to unload on you what I call the Jesus parallel, okay? Here it comes. All you guys that say, I'm one of them New Testament Christians, I'm about to show you the gospel in the Old Testament, Okay? First of all, I want to remind you of what Esther said back in Esther 7, verse 4. She said, for we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Romans seven fourteen says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. We got sold too. Uh-oh. Friends, being sold under sin means that sin was going to destroy us. It was going to kill us. We were to be killed and we were to be annihilated. There was a decree issued against our sin that says we were to be wiped out. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin, some of you know this, is what? Death. Death. Gone. You're toast. God's law says you sin, you die, basically. You sin, you die. That's how strict it is. And that decree is out there. It's still out there right now. And God is not going to pull it back. He's not going to revoke it. It will not be revoked. Why? Because God has to execute judgment on the wicked, like what happened with Haman, just like King Ahasuerus did to wicked Haman. So now here's our big problem. We all had this annihilation day coming right at us, just like the Jews were expecting. And because Scripture says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So how can we be saved? What's to be done about this? Well, obviously somebody has to issue a new decree, a second decree that's better, right? 
Jot down in your notes. You go look this up later. Don't just take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Jot this down. You can look it up later. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There's your new decree. Ooh. That is a new decree, an official order by God's authority. God's law says you sin, you die. But look, a new covenant, a better promise that has the power to save. Now, keeping it in context, because I'm very particular about not getting in the way of Israel, okay? Israel is on God's mind. This was written for them. This was written for Israel. However, as a Gentile, I get to be grafted in. So I get to claim it too. I'm excited. Gentiles, are you excited that God didn't just come for them? He came for us too. Okay. But in our original state, the only thing we had to look forward to was destruction and upcoming annihilation day. And so just like Esther and Mordecai loved their people so much that they risked breaking protocol, which means they sacrificed their lives. Remember, she said, at my life, I make this petition. They sacrificed their lives by stepping in as mediators between the king and God's people to author a new and better decree. Because here it comes. Are you ready? I'm about to give you the one-two punch here. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to sacrifice himself to step in as a mediator between the Father and us so that he could author a new and better decree that did not have the purpose of destroying us, but the purpose to save us. That's my Calvary Pearland people right over there making all that noise. (laughs) Hebrews 5 and 9 says, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Hebrews 8, 6 says, Jesus is also mediator of a better covenant. Look that up. It says it. (laughs) A better covenant, which was established on better promises. You had to have that second decree, that new covenant, or you're gone. Friends, we are sinners I think that's something we need to remember. The world forgets that they're sinners. We're the ones that messed up, not God. Don't shake your fist at God. We messed up, not him. And we were in big trouble with God under the old covenant because of lawlessness. Remember, the reason that King Ahasuerus permitted the first decree to go out is because his intent was to remove lawlessness. Haman lied to him, but to the king, that first decree is going to get the lawlessness out of here. That's why he let it go. Matthew 13 and 41 says, The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. America, lawlessness is sin. 
I don't know any other blunt, black or white way to put it. It is sin. It is cut and dried sin, lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness, and the old law is still out there. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that says God pulled that old law back. I see the new decree that comes out that gives you the choice to get under it. But the old law is still out there, and it's not going to be revoked because by that law, the Lord is going to remove those who refuse to repent and get under the new covenant blood of Jesus Christ. Paul explained about the superiority of the second covenant over the first one in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 9. He said, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. He's saying the covenant of Jesus is a whole lot better. That's the one you want to get under. Friends, we really need to understand that the new covenant in Jesus, the ministry of righteousness has not abolished the ministry of condemnation. The ministry of condemnation is still out there. It has not been revoked by God. And so your responsibility in this matter is that you need to get out from underneath the old covenant of the law and get under the new covenant of better promises called grace. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Ooh. That's the switch you need to make from law to grace. If you're still under law, you're in big trouble. A lot of people don't know that. They think, eh, it's okay, because the world's telling them it's okay. It ain't. Get under grace. God's law has to judge wicked lawlessness. The problem is most people, they don't want to surrender their life to Christ. They want to run their life their way. I do what I want to do. They don't want to obey God. And the threat of condemnation under the law should cause you to have a moment of pause to consider the terms of the new covenant. I'm talking to unbelievers out there. This ought to give you a moment of pause to think about this new covenant that the Lord offers you. Remember how the Jews' enemies had a sudden fear of that new decree, especially after hearing about Haman's hanging? They realized that if they did not make a change, if we don't, if we don't flip something around somewhere, then they would be the ones destroyed, not the Jews. Friends, I'm telling you, if you don't get under the blood of Christ, if you do not repent, and I know you hate that word, you're the one in trouble. Not us who are just trying to warn you where salvation is. If you're not under the blood of Jesus, if you haven't given your life to him as Lord and Savior, which means to make him Lord means he's the boss of your life, not you, then I hope that you get tonight a healthy fear of the Lord that will drive you to fearfully repent and get right with Jesus. Now that's the scary part of all this, but I want to give you the encouraging part. Okay? It's not all thunder and lightning. There's some good stuff here. I always do this to myself. I lose my place. We saw that the king gave Mordecai and Esther his signet ring. Every time I see a signet ring in the Bible, I cash in. This is really good. When he gave them their signet ring, it means he gave them all authority to write the new decree. Here's my signet ring. You've got the authority to do it. Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Awesome. Friend, your free gift of eternal life has been bound by the authority of the king. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.